Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Hey, Justin. Sidster. I meant to tell you that something really disturbing happened to me the other week when you were out of town. Oh, no. You know when you abandoned me right in the midst right. of my pregnancy? For the electronics. my third theory. trimester. Right. Yeah. To, for the electronics convention for work. So you, so you remember that when you left me here? Uh, yeah, it was very recent. Very alone. Very I'm sure sad. the wounds are still very fresh. Well, I was staying with my parents, as you know, and my little sister, Riley, who is 13, for everyone listening. Um, and for people who aren't listening, she's still 13. That's true. That She is 13. Her her uh, existence as a 13-year-old continues regardless mm-hmm. of you, the listener. Think about it. That's interesting. But she asked me a question, and the question was... Do I have a uterus even though I haven't been pregnant? Well, great. <laughs> I was a little worried. About our public school system. Yeah. I mean, she's had, she says she's had sex ed. Uh-oh. She knows what a period is, but she was a little unsure If, in fact, she did have a uterus yet or not, and did you grow that when you got pregnant, or was that already there? And this really got me worried. I mean, is this, this like, normal? Is this, I mean, do do most 13-year-olds not know? If it makes you feel any better, I had an extended period of time where I think your awareness of how these things work sort of comes gradually. I had an extended period of time for a couple years uh, in my youth where I thought babies came from the stomach. I knew they lived in the stomach. I thought they emerged from the stomach through some sort of, uh, you know, that stretch mark you sometimes see in a pregnant woman. I guess it's not Are a stretch you talking mark. talking about the linea nigra? Yeah, the linea nigra, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was a seam of some sort that opened to allow the baby to exit. Was it unclear? Like with a, like with a zipper or with Velcro? Some sort of Velcro or... zipper, flesh zipper uh, arrangement. I was unclear of the specifics. But yes, for there was a period of time where I thought that was the way it worked. Well, I mean, I guess in a sense, sometimes that is the way it works. I basically invented C-sections, I guess well, is what I'm saying. I, I incepted C-sections. Is that is that because you were born by C-section? Yeah, I guess, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it was I, deeply ingrained somewhere in my, in my pre-adolescent psyche. Well, I hope you know now that you were wrong. Uh, yes, I have gathered. Yes, that there is no seam there. No seam. 
that I can detect. Yeah, I'm certain that if there were Velcro on the front of my stomach at this point, it probably would have burst open. Uh, hopefully, yes. Well, hopefully not, but... Well, hopefully, yes, so we can get our baby out. <laughs> I want uh, that baby. Do you do you know much about C-section in general? No, absolutely not. Is that a, no. is that a trick question? Like, you know that I certainly don't know anything <laughs> about C-sections. <laughs> well, you know there's no Velcro there I now. just figured out there's no Velcro there. How can I know about C-sections? Okay. T- Sydney, tell me about you C-sections. You know I have a uterus, though, right? Oh, yeah. No okay. question about that. Maybe a couple. You have at least one utero- uterus. All right. Well, I will. I, I, I'll, I'll teach you about C-sections. I will endeavor to better educate my 13-year-old sister as well. Yes. Because I, I, I have a responsibility. It really does. It, I mean, that's, that's fair. It really does. Well, C-sections, I guess, are near and dear to my heart because without safe C-sections, I wouldn't be here, Justin, either. Neither one of us. Neither one of this us. This would be a boring podcast. It would. <laughs> I don't. It would just be dead air for... 30 minutes. Like that. That's what it would be like. Can you imagine 30 (laughs) minutes of that? I'm so glad that's what you were doing. I thought you were having a like an absent seizure or something. No, no dice. I was (laughs) just giving people a sample of what a sawbones without us would be like. Uh, So I think the most important thing I can tell you to start off with about C-section is what do you think cesarean section c-section cesarean section and that is by the way c-section as i was doing research i realized that a lot of people research c-s-e-a sections oh no no that is not it has nothing to do with the ocean it's not a nautical term it is is short for cesarean section where do you think that name comes from justin well i know that comes from julius caesar do you know that you are wrong sydney are you having a contraction (laughs) I am having a contraction. Okay, well, let's just, we'll just hold for a second. See, I wish I'd done the silence bit here. This would be a good place to hold as you have a contraction. <laughs> now, keep in mind, folks, this is a Braxton Hicks contraction. It's nothing to worry about. But I'm so, there's going to be a few of these over the next few weeks. I'm not going to edit every one out. So we're, I'll just vamp when Sydney's having <laughs> a, a Braxton Hicks contraction. And then once she's ready to continue uh, the podcast, we'll just hop right back into it. Just remember, I correctly identified cesarean sections as being derived from Julius Caesar. That is where we left off. Sidster, how are we doing? Okay. All right. It's going away. She's it's back. going away. Um, you're wrong, though. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to start that talking have been, and descend That must have been, uh, to add to the pain of a contraction, knowing that not only were you having to wait through a contraction, but you had to wait to tell me I was wrong about something. <laughs> yeah. I, that must have been excruciating. That is a commonly um, commonly held misbelief, a common mis I don't know. It's wrong is the important thing. It's is even that what defined, you thought? Is that, you I told thought me before there was, there was a, a fact. Uh-huh. I have said that before. I thought that that was true. It is not. It was. It's even, I believe in Webster's, it's even defined that way. That that's where the words, that's where the term cesarean section wow. comes from. And that's wrong. Um, the reason that we think that this is wrong, well, is one, the the practice predates Julius Caesar. And two, it's referenced later that his mother, Aurelia, survived. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually even some evidence she may have outlived Caesar. Now, I don't know that for sure. But the fact that she survived and was noted to you know, be alive later in his life makes it almost impossible that he would have been born by C-section because at the time, of course, you couldn't 
perform a cesarean section and preserve the life of the mother. Mm-hmm. So that is absolutely not where it came from. So then the question is, where does this word come from if not from Caesar? I don't know. So there's several different theories, and we're not 100% sure, which okay. I think is fascinating. Give me the top contenders. So it may be related to what was called the Lex Caesarea, or imperial law is what that comes for. Uh, comes from. And it, this was passed during the reign of Numa Pompilius around 700 BCE. Mm-hmm. And basically it was a law that said that if a woman died while she was pregnant, you would you would remove the fetus from her and then bury them separately. And it was just a religious kind of thing that it was not appropriate to bury them together. And so, so that is where, so it was a law passed by the Caesar. Mm-hmm. So that's where the Caesar part comes in, you know, because Caesar was a term for the ruler, not just Julius Caesar. Um, and, and it involved removing the child from the abdomen. So they thought, well, maybe that's where it comes from. Um, this actually evolved in, in by Roman times so that not just when the woman died in childbirth, but if the woman was, you thought she was about to die mm-hmm. during a delivery, you could go ahead and have the procedure done. And this was actually the first attempts to save the baby. Hmm. Initially, it was just a religious thing. It's too late. We can't do anything, unfortunately. But this is a religious belief. We need to, you know, do this procedure. By Roman times, they were really interested in increasing the population. So they... So they started, you know, as a last resort, like, look, this delivery is going wrong. We've seen this before. We know mom's not going to make it. Let's go ahead and get the baby out and try to save a Roman citizen. A little baby Roman. A little baby Roman. Adorable. We have all these tiny togas. (laughs) That's how they come out. Right. With a little... The little toga. With a little... uh, what am I trying to say? The leaf. Olive. The, the olive. leaf. Are they olive? They're laurel wreaths, aren't they? I guess it depends on where, what season it's in fashion. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the facts, folks. It's a tiny toga and some sort of plant life on its baby head. Okay? We don't know about trees. We're not. This isn't a tree podcast. Go listen to saw wood if you want that. <laughs> uh, the term also may be related to the word sedere, the, the verb which means to cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and a child that was born via the cut was called a saisones. Uh, oh, okay. So that may be where it comes from. Uh, our old buddy, Pliny. Pliny. The, the elder. Pliny the elder. He's back. Um, he wrote about this. He was, for some reason, really interested in this whole topic. Just like the where the word came from, not particularly into the it. procedure. Just into it. Just really into it. And he thought that the original Caesar was probably born this way. Like, the, mm. not Julius, but the first Caesar. And that the word Caesar comes from the procedure. So the first Caesar was born, and we, they used that word that means to cut, and you know, and so they gave him that as his given name, as his last name, and so all of his descendants were also named Caesar. So it could be the other way around, you're saying. Exactly. Julius wow. Caesar was named for the procedure as opposed to the procedure being now named listen. for Julius Caesar. It should be noted, if you're not that familiar with Pliny, he get a little silly sometimes. He may have just been making that up. He did, because he made up this whole myth about all of the Roman infants that were born who were given the last name, which was a common last name, uh, Saiso, were all born by C-section, which is absolutely not true, but he just said that. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know why you make that up. Yeah, I, whenever you hear somebody's inventing myths, that's when you need to get worried about their uh, veracity as like a historical... <laughs> Uh, source and not even exciting myths 
No, like, what he's a just stupid making myth up. Like, like how bored were you, Pliny? Um, the saint Nonatus mm-hmm. that comes from Nonatus, not born, uh, and he that was named. He was named so because he was uh, born via cesarean section. Wow. And it was not considered true true birth. Hmm. Now my mom would argue. Yeah, right. At that point. But at the time, it was not. My mom in her 42 hours of labor would certainly submit that it was a birth. That it was a birth. Fashion. Absolutely. I think many women would. Um, Bindusara, who was the second emperor of India, was born by C-section uh, because his mother accidentally drank poison when she was close to delivering. Okay. I don't know how that, how you're in labor and then you accidentally drink poison. It's a weird series of events. You think you'd be a little more careful. I stay away from poison, at least at that point. You've made it that far. You know what? I shouldn't. <laughs> the baby is so close. I would love some poison. The baby's so close. I, I'll just hold out for a few more weeks. Oh, what the heck? Let's be bad. Let's just have some poison. It's whatever 4th of July was back then. Now, Let's do it. <laughs> to be fair, um, if you look back at some ancient Chinese records, they they may have been doing this procedure like 700 years prior almost to these accounts. Almost certainly they would. So almost certainly they were. We just don't have good records to say for sure that they were. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, now, again, everything I'm talking about were procedures. And, and I don't think I've defined, by the way, C-section, but I, I didn't know oh, if that was me. necessary. You do a cut uh, at the bottom of the abdomen. Just above the pubis, and you do a cut of about let's call it six inches lateral, and you fold back the skin. You fold back the muscle that's there. You remove the baby uh, via that method, and then you stitch the mom back up. That's pretty good, honey. Well, we did have that childbirth class, so that's I do tr- definitely remember that's that true. from the class. Don't, don't forget, you also got to cut a hole in the uterus there. Ugh. I know the, the baby's not actually in the abdominal cavity. Right. Fine. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But that was really good. Thanks. Well, I do my best. So there you go. So yes, that is what a C-section is. Um, to this day. Yeah, it hasn't. Yeah. Changed. It's not. It's not a very complicated procedure. No, I could do in, it in explanation. I could. I will do it. I, no. I could do it. If you no. Need it done. No. Take a shot. Now, up to this point, once. the the procedure was really only done for the baby. It was done in cases where the mom either had just died or was not expected to survive. So there wasn't any effort made to, to I mean, save yeah, the life of the you mom. You hate the idea. Now, what, Caesar's not an elected position, right? It was it was passed down by birthright, right? Were you elected uh, yes. to Caesar? No, you, I, think, I don't think you were elected to Caesar. I think you were. Birthright, right? Yeah. So it, 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 I would be interested, and yeah, maybe it was vote i don't know but uh i would be interested to know if like the predetermination that this child would be caesar would factor into th- th- there might be a connection there but but like we definitely need to save this baby because they're caesar i mean they're, they I, could be the next caesar i think you're right oh, i don't God, i don't know if i'm making that well, somebody's no. gonna tell us so oh. Well, I would say that, that you're probably right. I don't know. But I would say you're probably right because when I mentioned the, the emperor of India, Bindusara, that was very much why that procedure was done was because he was going to be the emperor. That we know. I mean, that, that was still a 50-50 shot on their part, right? Well, that's they, true. They wouldn't have technically been able to tell, but they could. That, they true. just couldn't. They just couldn't take the risk of a baby boy 
uh, dying and over I, his mother. And I think there was some divine, like if you read about it, it's like, well, and they just knew that they had to save this baby, and like they, right. they, there's like a you know divine intervention right, right, kind right, of right, aspect. Right. Um, there, some of the women may have survived during Roman times. This has been attested many times, but I don't. There's no good evidence of this. Okay. The first recorded evidence that a mother survived a C-section is actually from the 1580s. Um, and it was performed by a Swiss pig gelder. Do you know what a pig gelder is? I do not know what a pig gelder is. <laughs> I didn't either. It is a one who castrates pigs. Okay, that's a full-time job, huh? I guess. Good living so he, there? He, Jacob Neufer. Is a good name. living doing that? <laughs> I, I think Jacob did well. And he had a, a lot of knowledge of animal anatomy, mm-hmm. I think. Um, his wife was in labor for several days mm-hmm. and not doing well. They had uh, gotten 13 midwives involved, mm-hmm. which I love to see, like, after you're at the eighth and you're like, I don't know, call another one, maybe another one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> and they just kept calling midwives and she kept laboring and she was not doing well. So he actually petitioned the government and said, I want to do I want somebody to come to a C-section. I mean, he didn't call it that. He knew that this was a possibility. Uh, ye old baby slice, whatever yes, they call it, whatever they call it. Uh, nobody would do it. So he did it himself. I wonder if this is the first, there's probably an older one that I'm just not thinking of, but like, is this the first effective surgical treatment that we deliver? Uh, Like, is this the oldest surgical treatment that's like still consistently performed, do you think? You know, I don't know. I know it is one of the oldest. Say for like circumcision, but that's not really a medical treatment as much as a religious practice, so... I don't know. But I, like I would say this is oldest, probably consistently practiced, if not the oldest, absolutely one of the oldest. And, and it is said that many times that C-sections are one of the oldest mm-hmm. regularly done surgical procedures. I mean, there's amputations, but we probably were doing this for the right reasons. No, Maybe with infection. Uh, we may have been able to figure that out. No, but this anyway. was something we recognized the need for pretty early. We just didn't know how to do it well. I'm distracting us. Let's keep moving. Except for Jacob who didn't know how to do it, he based what he did, like, sewing up, you know, everything for his wife on how he had sewn up animals. Awesome. And the record is that she lived, uh, the child lived to the age of, ripe old age of 77. Which in the 1580s is, like, the oldest dude (laughs) ever. Super old. And it also says that she had several other children, including twins that she delivered vaginally. That's crazy, because that means he would have to keep C-section in them. No, she had vaginal deliveries after that. Okay. Whoa. You don't have to have a second C-section after your first C-section. It's, it's more rare, right? Nowadays, okay. yes. That's a whole other thing, though. We'll get there. We'll open that kettle of fish. Um, there's also some weird case from the 1600s that's cited of a woman who was nine months pregnant and was gored by a bowl in the abdomen. Okay. Like the bull accidentally C-sectioned her and the baby survived. Okay. Is that the oldest evidence of a bull performing a surgical procedure? <laughs> that, that probably is. <laughs> Except so, for like presumably uh, like many, many thousands of buttholdectomies that they performed <laughs> on, on unsuspecting farmers I mean, throughout I, the years. I don't know how, like how the, what kind of goring has to occur before it's a surgical procedure. <laughs> 
it's that's yeah that's very human of us like if you gore a man's butthole then that's just a bad you're bad ball bad a, if you gore a baby it's a c-section it's you're a, a surgeon we called it a c-section you're a ball surgeon it's a miracle i don't think i'd cite that at the c-section <laughs> myself um, it's, inc- it's very inclusion and species. Yeah. As you can imagine from all these examples, mortality was very high for a long time. Even as we got a little more rigorous about how we went about that, um, as of like 1865 in the UK, when they were actually keeping rates of C-sections mm-hmm. and mortality and all that kind of thing, uh, the rate of mortality from a C-section was 85%. I mean, it's insane, right? I mean, there's so little we understood about uh, the circulatory system and and all that stuff exactly and bleeding and infection it was yeah. we just we didn't know what we were doing um but we were doing i mean and again we get into the heroic era of medicine which we've talked about a lot where do anything anything is better than nothing right um it's interesting we actually learned some from a lot of our european travelers who went to africa in the 1800s mm-hmm. especially in rwanda and uganda they were doing c-sections there um, and using uh, herbs and different like kind of native plants and alcohol based things to anesthetize women and then disinfect the area and certain herbal pastes to try to improve wow. wound healing. And they actually were having some success. I'm not I'm not suggesting it was 100 percent, but we learned a lot from those techniques. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Um, the first I think this is really cool. The first C-section in the British Empire was in the first like actually performed we're not just you know randomly i don't know grab a knife save the baby uh the first actual you know rigorously performed c-section was in south africa it was sometime between 1815 and 1821 it's sketchy and it was performed by dr james barry who was a surgeon and one other really interesting thing about james barry tell me was a woman a doctor he lived his entire life as a man from a young age this is true dr james barry decided it was easier in this world of 1800s to live as a man he lived his entire life and records indicate he was born a woman and his autopsy showed that he was a woman but he lived his entire life as a man which afforded him the ability to do a lot of things that women weren't allowed to do at the time wow i know I, I sense that that's a whole other episode, by the way. Yeah, here's to you, James Barry. The first C-section in the U.S., do you know where it took place? Well, I have the sheet in front of me, so just keep rolling. Okay. It was in 1794, and it was in Mason County. Yeah! West Virginia! Wow, wonderful! Woo. Mountain Mama, take me home. Technically, at the time, it was Virginia, but we okay. won't, well, hey, we won't listen, worry about listen, that. Listen, listen. That's under the bridge. That's why yeah. under the bridge. That was always West Virginia. You just didn't know it yet. It's ours now. <laughs> we claimed it. You should have thought of that before. Eat that, Old Dominion. You should have annexed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the surgeon was Dr. Jesse Bennett. Um, a, a man? Yes, okay. a man. Uh, he performed it on his wife, Elizabeth. They were out uh, living in their log cabin, and she was in labor, and she was not progressing well, and... So, you know, he did what he had to do. He laid out an operating table, uh, pl- a wooden plank across a couple of barrels, mm-hmm. gave her a whole bunch of laudanum. That's mm-hmm. what you had. And he uh, he saved her life. Let's circle back around to James Barry for a second, because I'm curious about something. I want to clarify terms, because it's sure. important. It, was James Barry living his life as a man, like, 
Was this a sexual thing, do you know, or was it purely a professional sort of cover? You know, I don't, from what I read, and I and I have not done thorough research on him. Because okay. actually, I intentionally didn't because I thought, well, this could make a really cool episode I want to use appropriate gender pronouns and what have you. Uh, I just didn't know if it was a, you know, a ruse or a choice that James had made. See, uh, from what, from the little bit of reading I did, I think that it's sketchy. Exactly why the decision was made. Mm-hmm. Was it just purely... I am a woman, but I know that if I if I pass myself off as a man, I will get more advantages. I'll get to do the things I want to do with my life. Or was it truly a case of I, you know, I feel that I was born in the wrong body. I feel right. I am a man. And so I'm going to live my life as a man. My impression was that it was more the, the former, mm-hmm. that it was I, I want to be afforded the opportunities of a, of we'll a man. We'll look into that. It's but I think that would be a really cool thing for us to look into. Moving on. I'm sorry. I keep derailing us. We have so much to do. Well, I just want to say, Dr. Bennett, after he saved his wife and his baby's life, went ahead and took out her ovaries while he was in there. Whoa. Uh, For the sole reason. Not cool, Jesse. Unless she was like, okay with it. Well, there's no record. Who knows? We didn't ask women at the time if they were okay with anything, right? We barely do now. Justin stands. Just saying. Stoically, his face frozen, (laughs) knowing that if he waits long enough, this moment will pass. He did it. At least as documented to prevent her from having to go through this again because he was so worried she would die. That is what he said. He was so worried she wouldn't survive and that if she got pregnant again, this that she might die. So he did this to let's all that. just hope he had this conversation with her before. Okay. Yeah. Who let's, knows? Let's tell ourselves that little fairy <laughs> tale. What do you think? Um. Uh, just so I can sleep at night, audience. Please the, give me something. There was a little bit of a shift as we move forward towards. You know, we still don't know how to do this very well to routinely save the life of mom. So maybe we're focusing wrong. Maybe mom is our patient and we don't need to worry so much about baby. Right. So there was a brief period of time where we did craniotomies on the fetuses, which basically involves, you know, breaking a hole in the child's skull. I don't like it. I know. As a way to remove the baby. Mm, Obviously, this caused serious damage to the baby if the baby survived. These procedures. No. <laughs> yes. These procedures also cause serious damage to mom. They used to do these high forceps deliveries. Oh, and oh, oh. anyway, we won't get into it. No, but thank you. But this was not any better of an option than the, you know, no anesthesia, no antibiotic mm-hmm. uh, C-sections they were doing. Um, there was a brief period where it became very fashionable to, after a C-section, go ahead and remove everything. Do a hysterectomy. Right. Remove the uterus. Uh, the thought was that um, you remove where the m- the most likely source of infection mm-hmm. and the most likely source of bleeding afterwards. Um, but again, then the woman could never have children again. Right. So not a great option, although outcomes were improved by this. Now, as we move through history, multiple things improved outcomes. We you know started developing anesthesia. Um, we understood antiseptic technique. We got better surgical techniques, kind of like you talked about, that we do that. You described a low transverse incision on that's the abdomen. Why I, that's why I thought I was describing. You were. And that was a better way of doing things as opposed to a, a long classical incision that went straight down the middle of the belly. Um, more like you were thinking as a child. Right. Uh, antibiotics, of course, blood transfusions. Um, as C-sections became safer, they became more common. And you know what really boosted this? What? Rickets. Why? Because a lot of women at the turn of the century, as we're going into the 1900s, 
Um, a lot of people who lived in urban areas no longer had access to fresh dairy. So they were born with rickets. Well, they weren't born with rickets. They developed rickets. Right. And these women, as they grew older, had deformed pelvises from rickets. Which means they couldn't pass the baby vaginally. Exactly. So the C-section rate went way up. Uh, you know, uh, I want to hear about some of the the, uh, the the myths, you know, that we've come up with about C-sections. Well, Justin, I would love to tell you about that. But unfortunately, it's that time of the month again where you got to pay your bill. Oh, that time of the month. Got yeah. it. I was very confused for a second. Yeah, it hadn't been that time of the month for a while. We're going to want to go to the billing department. The medicines, the medicines, that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? pre-prepared all i got in two minutes i mean filet mignon that sounds delicious yeah it sounds delicious and you can give these a try and it's not just these meals we're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or cleanup get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week you're going to get exactly what you want no surprises here uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. 
Sydney myths folklore you promised. Okay. So first of all, there is, I don't know that I would consider it a myth necessarily that babies born by C-section are stronger. I think that's true. Yeah. Personally. As far as I can tell. All evidence points to I don't know another me that is (laughs) stronger than me. Um, Adonis and Bacchus were both born by C-sections. All right. So there we go. Fine fine company. So uh, that's you and me, right? Basically. (laughs) Strongest people I know. Uh, Asclepius, the god of medicine. He was delivered this way uh, by none other than Apollo. Gods have to be delivered by C-section? I guess. That's that's weird to me. Like drifted out of each other although you know <laughs> athena came out of zeus's head so right via c-section i don't know if that's a c-section i don't, I don't know, know that that counts moving into literature you probably are familiar with this um shakespeare and macbeth wrote that uh, this is a lot of people have asked this question macduff makes the point of telling macbeth that he was born of c-section he doesn't say he, say he was ripped from his mother's abdomen something to that effect mm-hmm. I'm I'm asking you because you, yeah, you know, your theater degree and all that. Uh, you know, all that it stuff. all depends on what folio. You don't of know what the you're bard. Did you really are. finish? <laughs> Do you have a degree? It took me five years lay off. Um, but this is because it was foretold that Macbeth could not be killed by someone of woman born, of mm-hmm. woman, and that and uh, remember, as I said at the time, you weren't considered to be born in the traditional sense mm-hmm. if you were born by C-section. So. So that's why Macduff could kill Macbeth. Perfect. So there you go. In uh, in various religious beliefs throughout time, not currently, um, there was actually a little bit of uh, discrimination. Um, in the Mishnah, in, in Judaism, Jewish twins were prevented from inheriting property if they were born by C-section. We don't miss a beat to discriminate against people, do we? It whatever whatever, whatever you got will discriminate against you. Uh, prior to 1500, in Islam, it was believed that you were born of the devil if you were born by this method. Okay. Um, Catholics were in favor of C-section, but only because, one, they were against any of the methods that were available to save mom. Cool. And two, because then you could at least baptize the infant. We are we are all about baptizing Yeah. in the Catholic Church. Um, Those seem like both really cool reasons to be to be in favor of c-section for sure cool church <laughs> there's also the whole like science stuff that's cool like advancing our medical knowledge I'm, I'm not saying that that was necessarily part of it yeah right I may not have figured out the decision making process um and i think we mentioned this this is just this isn't a myth this is a truth but it's an interesting fact i think we talked about in the self-surgery episode that there was a woman in mexico in 2000 inez Ramirez, who delivered her own baby via C-section. Inez Ramirez, you rule. Yeah, that's very cool. That's the only one that we know of in history. I mean, it may have happened, but the only one we have good documentation of. Um, and she survived and the baby, mm-hmm. which is even cooler. Um, and I read this last year in December of 2013. Um, a woman in Brazil had an emergency section performed, which is interesting because when the doctors got in there, they figured out she wasn't pregnant. Whoa, what? She had a condition called pseudosiesis, uh, which some people call a hysterical pregnancy, although I am against the term that hysterical. Seem, that seems Refer kind of... to our hysteria episode. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, it's a psychiatric condition. She thought she was pregnant. She manifested a lot of symptoms of pregnancy, came rushing into it. She'd never got any prenatal care, obviously. Right. Rushed into a no, hospital. No ultrasounds or anything. Nope. Saying she was 41 weeks presenting as if she's pregnant 
Doctors looked for a heartbeat, couldn't find one, rushed her to the OR, did a C-section, and lo and behold, no baby. That is so crazy. Now, today, mm-hmm. you kind of alluded to some of the some of the things that exist about C-sections today. I mentioned that um, rickets was a big reason why C-sections rose in the early 1900s and moving into like the 30s and 40s. Um, even though rickets is no longer a problem, we have never really returned to the rates of C-sections prior to rickets, hmm. which is crazy. They got normalized then. Yes, they became normalized. It, it, we got really good at it. I mean, the fact is that today C-sections are very safe. Mm-hmm. You know, for the most part, they're very safe procedures. Um, as long as it's not an emergent C-section you know, everything is done very routinely. It's planned. And even emergency sections are usually very safe. Right. Um, but the World Health Organization organization advises that any country's um, C-section rate should not exceed 15%. Do you know what our rate is in this country? No. It's about a third. Ooh. 32.8 or 9%. Ugh. Which is pretty high. It's been ste- – it had been steadily climbing – up until the last couple of years, it's been staying the same. So it has not decreased at all. Um, now, so, why is it, Sid, why is it, um, without passing judgment, why is the, the WHO sort of uh, saying that they shouldn't make up more than 15%? Like, what is the, what's the issue? It's, it's all evidence-based. I mean, their recommendation is based on outcomes. Outcomes are better in general for moms and babies in countries where their C-section rate is less than 15%. Mortality outcomes and and morbidity outcomes and the, you know, not just if the mom and baby make it, but how healthy they are afterwards. We're not super, uh, you know, we're not super well informed about this specific moment, but there is some research like that we were talking about in our, that we actually heard about some in our, our, um, birth class that says that that's that moment is sort of an important bonding moment right i mean it is it is a if a vaginal delivery is possible that you know going through that process and that immediate bonding between mom and baby that can occur with immediate skin-to-skin contact right after you deliver is very important Mm -hmm. um and can encourage breastfeeding which we know is we talked about in our previous episode is the best if you can do it um, that's not again not to take away anything from people out there listening who might have had c-sections as we've said already both our moms had c-sections there's no judgment here but it is part of and i think we've talked about this a few times this medicalization of of birth it is very convenient sometimes for doctors to suggest a c-section when it may not be completely medically necessary exactly it's just like i said thank thank god we have safe formula for babies that, you know, when their moms are unable to breastfeed, thank God we have safe C-sections for women who cannot deliver vaginally. Right. Um, but the fact is there are a lot of factors that go into uh, what what I would consider an alarmingly high C-section rate in our country. And especially if you look locally, um, you know, the C-section rate in our state is very high. Mm-hmm. In the local area, I looked at some rates at local hospitals and I won't go into the all. It ain't good. But it's not good. There was at least one that had uh, 100%. Yes. Not a lot of deliveries, but 100% of them were C-sections. Not Sorry, the, let me just reiterate. 100%. <laughs> and, and a lot of these factors are that um, some of our interventions, as far as the monitoring we do, inducing labor, 
uh, some of the procedures we do during labor and delivery uh, can precipitate C-sections. There's the convenience factor. Um, it's efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that whole, and, 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 you know, this does play a small part in it, the liability. It's safer just to go ahead and do the C-section if there's any question. Right. Um, they say that patient preference plays a huge role. That's a myth. Women are not asking for elective C-sections by and large, about 1% of women in their first time having a baby are asking for a C-section electively. So that's not part of the problem. Now, you mentioned second pregnancies having a C-section. You don't have to. You can do something that we call V-backing, vaginal birth after cesarean. Mm -hmm. You can do that, but a lot of doctors don't feel comfortable with it. So they'll urge you to have a repeat C-section instead. I mean, here's the thing, and and it's interesting if I can... Uh, step out of my role as uh, doofus. For I mean, I'm still a doofus, but <laughs> this is something that we've like thought and read and talked about a lot recently. And it's hard as parents because the message that you get is almost certainly everything will work out fine. But that is the hardest odds to play. And I, and I think that it's something that doctors, some doctors, some less scrupulous doctors, and not even just individual doctors, but a system constructed around this has institutionalized. It's like, well, there is a statistical advantage to having a C-section at this point. And it may be very slight, but when you're pregnant and you've been waiting nine months for a baby, like that statistical advantage is like, a big big deal exactly and you lose things like that skin-to-skin contact or the importance of a vaginal birth if possible it becomes very hard when you're you know there's almost nothing that you put up against the safety of a of a child that you won't sort of go for um and i think that maybe the system has sort of turned that against parents in some cases exactly and that's why i would say the best thing you can do is be constantly asking questions. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and your healthcare provider should be answering them. And if you're not satisfied with that answer, they should keep talking until they give you the answer that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, you never, you're never forced to have anything done. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important thing. And I don't think all moms know that. No, you see a lot of language. I, I read a piece about this. You see a lot of language in uh, writing about birth uh, that your caregiver might allow you to hold the baby for a certain amount of time or uh, the doctor may allow you to move around, et cetera, et cetera. There is no allowing. No. You're the mom. You're giving birth. It's your show. No, you have rights and you can ask if things are safe. And I would never encourage a woman to do something that's unsafe simply because she wants to. Um, but at the end of the day, you ask the questions. Is this safe? Is this necessary? Do I have to be induced right now? Can I wait longer? Um, you know, they have to give you honest answers. <laughs> you're gonna and, find you're gonna find a horse head in your bed tomorrow. Doctors are gonna be I'm so not. mad at you. Well, I mean, it, it it is questionable if you start considering that a lot of C sections are done around five or six in the evening. Somebody wants to go home. That's I, all we're saying. I, it's just ask the questions. Sometimes. You know, the, the fact is uh, your doctor is telling you that you have to have a C-section because you do and you need to listen to them. Right. But ask the all I'm saying is ask the question. That's it. That's it. That's it. Just be informed. Yeah, because you always have a right to ask questions and get answers and keep asking until you get more answers. We've kind of chatted about this for a while, huh? 
I know. But it's very important. We've been thinking about it a lot very important. Like, Give us a pass. Um, so if you need a C-section, thank God we've got them. But if you don't, just find you out. Know. Just ask. Find just out ask. if you don't. It's worth asking. That's all we're saying. Uh, thank you to you for listening to this episode of Sawbones. Uh, we... Um, we, we, we don't know. usually get so preachy. We don't normally get preachy. I'm sorry. Just, Please don't fight with us. Expecting and yeah, it's been <laughs> we got a, a lot on it's our been minds. A thing. Uh, uh, thank you to people tweeting about the show. Uh, Shante, who is, uh, uh, or maybe Shanty, and T E A is the end. I don't, she said she's a little sad that Solomon's about breast milk didn't mention the trend to use it as a cure for everything. Uh, of course, it's been used. I'm sure restoratively. <laughs> Over the years, many. Um, we will actually. We I, I've been trying to be better about this. Retweeting people who add sort of like addendums because obviously we got a half hour. We can't cover everything. Uh, if you know something interesting or or can uh, uh, share, you know something additional about a topic, let us know because we I love retweeting. Yeah, please those. do. I I didn't cover amber necklaces at all in the teething episode, and I know mm-hmm. a lot of people wanted to share that. So they please com- share it. They covered it on one bad mother. Actually, they well, did a teething episode right so after. Check that out. It's another show on the uh, Max Fun Network. I know Spamantha said that uh, uh, her grandma, who had kids in the fifties, told her mom, who had kids in the eighties, that uh, she was horrified. That her mom was going to breastfeed her. It was it was un, untoward, I guess. <laughs> so that's super cool. Thank you for the, uh, Marty, Allie, Jennifer, uh, Miss Ada, Van. There's like five A's there. Uh, <laughs> Mia, Nightmare Femme, John Wine, Ryan Conzel, John Thomas Mason, so many others tweeting about our program. You can either use the at Sawbones uh, to tweet about us. If you're going to do that, don't put it at the beginning because then only people who already follow us see it, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, or you can use hashtag Sawbones. It's all the same. Uh, and uh, use a link to our show, www.sawbonesshow.com is uh, the best link to us. And thanks for um, spreading the word around. Also, thanks to KCRW's Press Play for having us on their program. Um, that was a lot yeah, of fun. So check that out. Check that out, yeah. It's more us if We're you haven't the, gotten your uh, fill yet. June 20th? Yeah, June 20th episode of uh of that program so you can listen to our interview there that was a lot of fun you have another contraction you looked contraction for a second i was it's over now oh wow you covered that like a pro man thanks i'm, I'm super impressed uh i mentioned one bad mother on the maximum fun network there's a ton of other great shows uh on there uh, jordan jesse go judge john hodgman lady the lady Ono Ross and Carrie, Wham Bam Pow. My brother, uh, my brother, and me. Oh, thank you, my dear. So many others. They're all waiting there for you at MaximumFun.org. That's also where you're going to find our f- uh, forums so you can discuss the episode you just listened to with other fans of the show. So that's always a lot of fun. And uh, we have an email address, sawbones at MaximumFun.org, if you want to suggest a topic. Uh, Twitter's not the best place for that because they continue to get lost in the shuffle. If they're at the email address, they'll stay in the workflow. Or if you just want to, you know, say hi, whatever, uh, do that. And I think that's going to do it for us. Are we done? I think we're done. Thanks to taxpayers. Let's use their uh, uh, music. Folks, that's going to do it for us. Until next Tuesday, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. as always, don't drill a hole in your head.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.